Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. The world is changing so fast that no one can, you know, the jobs that we talk about today are not the jobs of tomorrow. Well, that's the voice of new Catalyst CEO Lorraine Harriton. Well, the world is changing and rapidly, but sometimes old patterns are hard to change. We have stereotypes. So, for example, you know, people think of women, you know, take care and men take charge. So they look at male leaders as being more, um, you know, their view of what a woman, what a leader is, is, is really a male stereotype. Lorraine believes that new skills needs will be ideally suited to women's skills. But corporations will have to work with schools to encourage more young women to go into STEM subjects. I believe that with the shift to data analytics, that there's a a new opportunity to change that cultural issue. Because data analytics, women are often very good at, and it ties even more to every aspect of society. So I think that uh, we need to go into the schools and, and educate the girls around that. And we need to be partnered with corporations that can lead the way. Catalyst is a global non-profit working with some of the world's most powerful CEOs and leading companies to help build workplaces that work for women. Founded in 1962, Catalyst drives change with pioneering research, practical tools and proven solutions to accelerate and advance women into leadership because they believe that progress for women is progress for everyone. I met up with Lorraine on a recent visit to Dublin. Lorraine, thanks for joining us on the Women in Leadership podcast. First of all, can you tell us about your new role with Catalyst and maybe a little bit about what Catalyst does? Sure. Um, I'm CEO of Catalyst. Catalyst started in 1962 and our focus has been on our, uh, around making workplaces that work for women. Of course, in 1962, it was different than it is today because at that time, at least in the United States where Catalyst began, there weren't a lot of women in the workplace. Um, And with the women's movement, that changed a lot. And today, we actually have 47% of women in the United States and in many of the countries um, in in Europe, um, very significant women as entry level in the workplace. But when you get up to the top, you you have a very different story. For example, in Ireland, only 13% of the board members are women. And in the United States at the CEO level in the Fortune 500, um, only 24 women, which is about 5% um, of CEOs are women. So we still have a very long way to go to accomplish the agenda of really having workplaces work for women. And is it changing at all? I mean, it seems to me like an uphill push well, I, I think that this is a really extraordinary time um, because the consciousness has been raised coming off the Me Too movement. Um, and I think um, companies are really starting to move to really, instead of just understanding the issue, to really saying, how do we really make a difference? And one of the areas where they're making a real change is around men getting involved. So we have workshops called Uh, our Mark Leaders program, Men Advocating Real Change, and we're seeing a lot of interest in that from the top down. Um, And I think that the interest is not only around coming off the Me Too movement, but also that they're starting to understand that to be competitive, to be innovative, to attract the best talent, they've got to have inclusive cultures that allow everyone reach their full potential. So we're seeing... um, 
the heads of diversity and inclusion being elevated into the C-suite. We're seeing metrics around diversity and inclusion. Uh, we're seeing um, diversity and inclusion people out in the divisions, like you might have someone, you know, a company that has a major employment base here, having diversity and inclusion people here in Ireland, uh, really driving that. So, you know, I, I think that I've been really fortunate to take on um, uh, this role at Catalyst at a time of real change. Okay, so it gives you plenty of uh, motivation and places to go. Have you had uh, good champions? I believe Dell have, have taken on the Catalyst programme and that they, they have good male champions of change in Ireland. Is that true? Uh, I think Dell is a great example. Michael Dell is on our board. Uh, Michael has been a real advocate of the MARC program, Men Advocating Real Change, um, and he's a great role model. And you know, when the top leadership makes this a priority, then it goes through the whole organization. Another good example is Procter & Gamble. Now, Procter & Gamble, um, that you may have seen recently that there's this Gillette ad that's gotten a Press, you know, the CEO of Procter & Gamble is on my board of directors. We had a director's meeting on Thursday. He was there. He told me they've gotten over a billion hits for, for that Gillette commercial. Uh, I was at, had the, fort the fortune of uh, sitting and seeing Saturday Night Live live um, on Saturday, and they had a Kool-Aid ad that, that mimicked the Gillette ad. And I said, well, now it's really in the popular culture. But for a major company like that to make a statement, Procter & Gamble gave us a grant to develop the MARC training. They've been doing the MARC training throughout their company, and now they're bringing it into their brand. So, I mean, that's really a huge statement about leadership. And I think they are committed. But isn't there also a business case? I mean, you touched on it there about innovation. But there's a strong business case for getting more uh, gender balance and more diversity in organizations, isn't there? Absolutely. Um, all the reaches have shown that diverse and inclusive teams are more innovative, the companies that have more inclusive cultures um, are more competitive, they get better results, and they attract talent. And I, I'd like to tell young women that um, if they want to have a successful career, they should look for, uh, for companies that are inclusive so they can feel that they can um, bring their authentic self to work, that they're part of an inclusive culture, and that they have the opportunity to thrive. So I think that, you know, people are voting with their feet, and companies realize that if they want to attract the best talent, they've, they've got to have an inclusive culture. Also, stakeholders, whether it's investors, employees, or, or consumers, are looking for that, and it's part of um, the company's brand. And there's so much information out there that it's so easy to find out information on companies. All you have to do is Google it, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that, you know, if you see like what happened at Google where the employees walked out when they did, weren't happy with what the environment is, people are looking at as part of the brands that they buy. So talk to me about women and what gets in the way of women rising up through the ranks, up through that pipeline. You know, what's happened in your experience? What stops women from getting ahead in companies? Well, you know, this, despite all the all the changes that happened, we are still dealing with a culture that was developed in the Industrial Revolution that still has a male privilege. Um, so um, we have a lot of unconscious bias. Everyone's biased in different ways, but people don't 
always recognize those biases. We have stereotypes. So for example, you know, people think of women, you know, take care and men take charge. So they look at male leaders as being more, um, you know, their view of what a woman what a leader is, is, is really a male stereotype. Um, and um, we, these unconscious biases work their way into the promotion system. So people tend to promote people who are like themselves. So um, there's still, you know, a lot of these biases. So we need to be very intentional in how we approach this and it's cultural change. That's why it's so important for um, for men to be part of the solution. This isn't just about changing the women, it's about changing the culture. So our mark training, our men taking responsibility for understanding bias, for, for recognizing it and making interventions is so critical. Okay. Are there other things getting in the way, though? Um, you mentioned environment and unconscious bias. Yeah, what about networking and confidence in women. I know you said we should fix the system rather than fixing women, but often women have been brought up in an atmosphere where maybe they didn't have that confidence that the younger generation do now. How can we help women to be that little bit more confident and get outside their comfort zones? Well, we've talked a lot, people have talked a lot about mentoring, but in addition to mentoring, we've got to be sponsoring women. So uh, we've got to help them understand how to, how to overcome these things. And then we've got to actually sponsor them for the next job. There's, um, there's a tendency for women not to get the really hot jobs. And if we have sponsors really looking out for them and really stepping up to make sure they get the right jobs, that helps them build their confidence. What do you mean by sponsored? Sponsorship means uh, really when when those discussions about who's going to get the promotion who's going to get the hot jobs that you you that that the person who has the ability to to make that decision says I want that woman to take that job and I'm going to sponsor them into that job which is different than mentoring them which is just saying you should be more assertive you should be doing this it's that that's giving them you know um information, but sponsorship is a proactive. We have a Women on Boards program at Catalyst where CEOs can sponsor board women into the program and then CEOs can act as sponsors. And when they sponsor them, they're they're looking out and they're talking to their friends that they're networking and says, this woman would be good for your board and they're actively, proactively doing that. Okay, the proactive word is a big one, isn't it? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, um, can you tell me a little bit about your own career? I was reading some of your bio. It's fascinating. Um, you majored in mathematics, is that right? I did, and we were just talking about the fact that when I was a child, I was diagnosed with dyslexia, and I still have dyslexia. And I'm very good at organization and about mathematical um thinking, but not not so good at reading. And, and my mother, actually, who became a psychologist after she went back to school um, in, in, the, um, in the 60s, um, had me diagnosed and helped me with that. But when I was in college, I was taking calculus. My math teacher um, said I should look at computers, and he had me do a winter study. Um, I was at a small liberal arts school in upstate New York, and um, they didn't have any computer science classes, so I did an independent study. And they had a teletop terminal at, in those days to a data processing system at, a, um, at an Air Force base in, in Rome, New York. 
Um, and I learned how to program, and I decided I loved it, and I transferred to Stanford, and I got a degree in what's called math sciences, because they had no computer science undergraduate even at Stanford in those days. In 1976, I got a degree in what, in math, computer science, statistics, and operations research, which was allowed me to then work for American Airlines, my first job in their operations research department at American Airlines, where I did a fuel allocation model. And then I, then I decided that I once wanted something that was more networking and people-oriented, and I went to work for IBM, which was the place to be in those days, like the Google of today. And, and I worked in their sales organization. And IBM, in those days, and still, was a wonderful place to work for women. They have been a four-time award winner of Catalyst, and they have a woman CEO. And I was really the beneficiary of their progressive practices in those days. I went to Harvard Business School after three years, and I went back to work for IBM, even though I had lots of other options because I felt they were a great place where I could build both a career and a family and balance my life, and, and it turned out to be a, a really good decision. So, um, you know, I, I think that the advice I give to young women to look for a culture that's inclusive where, where they have role models for women and they have the right practices serve me well, and I think it's still serves uh, women well today. I have a friend whose company motto is go where you're celebrated, not tolerated. I think right. that's good advice. I think that's that's great advice where you have people who, where they have proven practices. And But I think today, CEOs are understanding that that's critical to attracting and retaining those workforces. Fantastic. Um, now, you did mention that you were in the tech sector as well. What what technical companies, apart from IBM, did you go on to work in other tech companies? Or did you well, stay I, 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 I was at IBM for 15 years. In fact, I'm, after business school, I went out to Silicon Valley um, and because I decided I wanted to have a career there. But I worked for IBM for 15 years. They bought a division, a company called Rome, which was also a very progressive company of its age in the telecommunications industry. And I transferred down to that division. And then I left there in 1993 and worked for a couple of mid-sized companies as a senior executive. One was called NCD and the other one was Verifone. And then I became an entrepreneur around the time of the um, internet bubble and, and ran um, two tech companies and raised about $50 million in venture capital um, and had that career too. And then I got involved with Hillary Clinton um, and her campaign in 2006 to become president of the United States. And I became a big fundraiser for her. And I went to work for her at the State Department when she became Secretary of State as a special representative for commercial and business affairs. But during my time in Silicon Valley, um, I also did um, a lot of work um, for women. I was on the board of the Clayman Institute for Gender Research at Stanford. I was on the board of the Watermark, which was um, originally called the Forum for Women Entrepreneurs and Executives, and I really worked a lot on women's issues. Um, and then at the State Department, I also I, I, I launched a big global entrepreneurship program, and we did a lot around women's entrepreneurship and um, helping women around the world um, become entrepreneurs. That must have been really exciting and empowering. Um, well, it was very interesting experience to work for the State Department because you're representing the United States all around the world. And the programs, like these programs, I was able to launch. I did a very interesting program in Israel um, where I um, we supported um, entre entrepreneurs in the IT sector um, 
and you and and multinational companies in Israel outsourcing to Palestine, um, so that we could develop that entrepreneurial sector. And I got I got money from Cisco and and um, Salesforce and um, Google to support that program, so we could build the the tech sector in Palestine. Now you mentioned Oracle there. I was at the Web Summit when it was here in Ireland a few years ago, and there was a wonderful woman uh, engineer there called Pasmadri Warrior, uh, uh, who became went to Cisco as their CTO. Sorry, Cisco. Maybe it was Cisco. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, she was amazing, uh, but she was asked about all sorts of technical questions, and I was just sitting in the back looking uh, up at the stage, and everybody was interested and everybody was engaged. And then somebody asked her about the gender issue and about women in tech. And I could see all the young men's heads suddenly went down like they just tuned out. They weren't interested as like this doesn't concern me. <laughs> and they just started tapping on their uh, computers and iPads and everything like that. How do we sell this gender equality, that the whole need for diversity to younger men? Because looking at them, and I noticed a couple of years ago, but I've seen it, you know, the younger men think, well, this isn't really anything to do with me. But I think we have to start that discussion, particularly like in, in the Gillette ad that we were talking about earlier. Um, how do we engage younger men? I mean, some of the older men, the CEO, seem to get it. But getting the message across to younger men is, is maybe a bit tougher, is it? I think that it starts at the top in organizations. And um, in Silicon Valley in particular, there are some excellent role models, um, like Mark Benioff at Salesforce. He actually implemented pay equity across the whole company. And he's, he's a role model, and the culture at, at Salesforce is excellent. Um, at Uber, they have a new CEO who's going to be coming on the Catalyst board. Um, he was just elected. Um, and he's really trying to change the culture there. So um, I think as we start to look at the future of work, we start to look at the changes in the environment, the needs for uh, for um, a more diverse and inclusive culture to, to foster innovation, to um, really understand um, customers, um, that companies are going to have to step up at, at every level. Um, we also... Um, the. The job requirements in the future have to be more um, 21st century skills for in the STEM area include things like creativity, collaboration, communication, critical thinking. These are things that are beyond whether you're a great Python coder. If you can't be agile, um, communicate, evolve, you're not going to have a job 20 years from now. So um, these skills are also skills that women can add a lot to. So. Um, Companies are really starting to understand that, and uh, just hiring the best gamer is not going to cut it. What about the education system? Do we need to start a lot younger with younger women, getting them to do the STEM subjects, to study sciences in in the second level, or at, uh, you know, before they even get to the college age? Um, I think we definitely do, and um, the the issue with the cultural issues around. IT in specific, and I know in Ireland there's a lot of IT in Ireland, um, uh, really changed in the early 80s. When I was um, in school, when we were talking about data processing, um, and if you saw the movie Hidden Figures or The Enigma, um, there were a lot of women in data processing. In fact, the number of women getting computer science um, degrees was about two-thirds the level of men. But in the early 90s, it went off a cliff down, at least in the English-speaking world. Because, it's not, you know, in, in the U.S. and in the U.K. and Ireland, um, 
and that has to be with a cultural change um, that had to do with when the computer went into the home, went into the boys' room, and they started doing games. And then the girls decided this was not a girl thing to do. And we've been fighting that cultural issue for, you know, the last 30 years or so. I believe that with the shift to data analytics, that there's a re a new opportunity to change that cultural issue because data analytics women are often very good at and it ties even more to every aspect of society. So I think that uh, we need to go into the schools and, and educate the girls around that and we need to be partnered with corporations that can lead the way because the people in the education system are not trained in these things but the corporations understand the needs. They need to go into the middle and the high schools and there's a lot of work being done in this area and we also need to go into the tertiary schools and even the vocational schools and, and, and get these changes made and there needs to be a partnership between industry and education because things are moving so fast the education systems can't keep up with this and the teachers aren't trained in these things so um, these are the type of leadership things that a lot of companies are already doing and we need to do reskilling even within corporations AT&T for example has a reskilling program that they're retraining 50% of the 200,000 uh, person workforce in these skills so there's a lot of work to be done um, in this area we're in lifelong learning mode, I think, aren't we? Absolutely. The world is changing so fast that no one can, you know, the jobs that we talk about today are not the jobs of tomorrow. Um, I just want to finish up with two questions. The first is, if you could wave a magic wand and change one thing to improve the prospects for women and improve the pipeline, what would that be? I would like to have, you know, companies really embrace inclusion and uh, diversity and inclusion. And, you know, Catalyst has gone from identifying the what to trying to solve the how because companies are really making that happen. We have a great window of opportunity right now because of the consciousness raising that's that's empowering women around the world in the political system as well as in business. And, and, uh, and I want to lead corporations to really be the leader behind that because they are willing and able to make that happen and we have a great coalition of catalysts to make that happen and I want to empower our organizations and, and broaden it so that we really take advantage of this window. Noreen, you've always been a sort of a champion of change uh, and a leader by the, by the sounds of things but what would your top three tips be to other women uh, who are thinking about going into leadership roles? And it might not sit comfortably with them, but maybe they might just need a little push from themselves sometimes to, to go out there and take on a leadership role and, you know, start thinking about senior management and getting onto a board. You know, what, what three tips could you give women? Well, the first I mention is I think to go to organizations where there are is an inclusive culture, where there are role models, where they can get sponsorship and support um, and proactively manage their career in a way that enables them to be environments like that. Um, the second thing I think for women, and this has been true for my career, is you can do it all but not at all at the same time. Um, you know, when I had young children, I was thinking about a career, and I worked at IBM, and I, I, I looked for an environment where I really could make that happen, balance career and family. As I got further in my career, I started to do outside things that expanded my network, you know, being on boards of nonprofits, 
the Hillary Clinton experience really expanded my network significantly and expanded my opportunities. Um, and um, coming to Catalyst, of course, is, I wouldn't have come, been able to come to Catalyst if I hadn't had such a diversity of experiences that I can um, bring to the, this um, experience. The other thing I'd say is, no, major on your majors, and what I mean by that is really understand what you're really good at and what you can really bring to the table. And you're always looking to improve your weaknesses, but the best way as you move up the ladder is to to surround yourself with people that that complement you, but really drive um, what you you do best. So, for example, coming into Catalyst. You know, Catalyst um, has a lot of opportunity. We also have a lot of change that needs to be done. But I, I really focused on seeing if I could make a real impact in terms of, um, y you know, bringing new supporters on and bringing some major gifts in. And I focused on that so I could make an impact on that because that is my strength. So I'm out there with our supporters, driving that and looking to surround myself with people that are complimentary. Well, that was Lorraine Harrison, President and CEO of Catalyst. If you want to hear more inspiring women, check out our back catalogue on the Women in Leadership website, womeninleadership.ie. Also, why not sign up for our iTunes feed or on your Android podcast subscriber? Do get in touch with us by email. That's info at womeninleadership.ie. Or why not check us out on Twitter at leadingwomenpod. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti and all on the Women in Leadership podcast, goodbye and take care. Mm-hmm.